The title of the show is Miracle Renegade. And I've been working with people for over 20 years, helping them find the miraculous in their life's worst pain. And Christian is the quintessential miracle renegade. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> bit of a skeptic. I was a chef for a long time. I'm a punk guy, so I don't really deal with uh, a lot of woo and mumble jumbo. And I'm pretty based on realism. But recently, I started seeing some really weird stuff in my life and some synchronicities. And then by chance, Maureen works in this field. So I saw miracles and then I met a miracle worker. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. So here we are. And I guess what we're going to do since we're watching what evolves this first time around is just start with a topic. And since you're the miracle renegade here, <laughs> Christian, as far as... Uh, you know, wanting to know how to see miraculous and important things. How do you want to start this? Well, every morning uh, I usually have a question or something just kind of comes to me. And it's usually through like friends or family. And today I had a friend who uh, broke up with a partner. Hmm. It started this momentum thinking about relationships. A lot of my relationships have been strained and they've evolved over time. And um, it takes some growing to think about what love is or what I expect from a relationship because I'm evolving as a person. Mm -hmm. Those things that I was thinking about when I was 13 don't apply when I'm 30. Also, like all the enculturation that happens when we're growing up, that yeah. we get taught these, you know, happily ever after stories that people really hope is true because love is so impactful and powerful that it's something people don't want to let go of. They really want to hope that they can walk into a relationship where it could be happily ever after. Yeah. Good news, there is a possibility of that. And in the process of getting there, it's one of the most impactful paths that anyone can get on to become more awake and aware of themselves, to yeah. become more conscious. So in order to take this path, where do you have to be in order to see it clearly? Okay, great question. Well, you have to be with yourself first. Most people don't know who they are. So they have never asked the question, who am I? And, you know, we got taught who we are by well-meaning other people, adult authorities or our parents when we were really young. And they'd smile and clap and be happy when we did something that was pleasing to them. Yeah. And they'd give us good grades if we worked hard and they enculturated us into this experience and kind of put us down this path pretty solidly where if we perform one way for one person, that's acceptable. And if we perform in a completely different way for someone else in another situation, then we're acceptable there. So we keep changing hats just naturally as a way of negotiating life as a human being. And that keeps us outwardly focused on the good or bad opinions of other people. Yeah. Completely disorienting in the process of figuring out who you are, what you really want out of life, and how to do that authentically. So what would you do, be, say, think, if you were in a vacuum where no one else's good or bad opinions mattered, where no one else's thoughts or concerns were at stake? No one else's life was impacted negatively or positively by your presence. What would you choose from your deepest self 
Most people are living a pretty surface life where they're looking outside for mostly every answer. Oh, yeah. We, we were taught that that's where the answers are, outside, for happiness and just survival. So to get this question, who am I, it requires you to be in that state, that vacuum, to be referring inwardly more capably than you are referring outwardly for answers. Spirit is nebulous. It's not in a form. It doesn't have a physical body. Mm-hmm. It's our essence. It came in with our first breath. We, we can't live without breath. So that's the eternal part of us. We come in with it. We embody it in this lifetime. And then when we leave this body, everyone does it, you'll leave with your last breath. So that's where all the source of wisdom is, believe it or not. It's not in getting answers from the outside world. It's just once in a while, take a breath and get relaxed and be with yourself in a non-confrontational way. Yeah. That's the beginning of good relationship because how on earth are you going to be in a good relationship with someone else if every time you get alone with yourself, the thoughts start that beat you up? Yeah, I learned that while being a chef, actually, because mm. I saw how I started working myself, you know? I overworked myself. I never gave myself proper praise. Mm. I never like let myself go when I made a mistake, I, I always try to fix it. Think about that for a minute. How'd you learn that? It was like, you know, from movies and like what I thought a stoic hero yeah. would behave. And sacrifice and suffering yeah. are noble. Absolutely not true. That's for another episode. Way too long <laughs> to go into right now on that one. But so when we have been looking outside for approval and answers, it keeps us from that quality time with ourselves. Even if you think you're getting in sync with who you are, the moment you ask somebody else, what do you think about this? It depends where they are in that time in their life. You know, they could have just had a rough day, beat traffic. All they want to do is eat. They're exhausted and tired and hungry. And you come with this really inspired thought and they are like, yeah, come on, let's just eat dinner. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're deflated because you've been used to getting the affirmation or confirmation from someone else. So let's get back to that place where yeah. it's just between you and you. Most people who are on spiritual path get it, that meditation is just checking out for a moment from the outside world. Close your eyes right now, and you'll feel that there's no edges to that. There's no this and that. So there's no this and that comparison going on unless your mind says, oh, well, this isn't quite enough or oh, my mind isn't still. You can judge yourself ad infinitum even with closed eyes in a space that's completely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so when you do that, though, and start to go in deliberately once in a while and ask the question, who am I? Then you start getting answers from this place within you. Got to sit quietly enough. And I don't mean hours. I mean, 15 minutes a day where you take a break, even in the most intense situations, just breathe. Really just breathe. If you know that your breath has the answers, yeah. then you're going to start to pay attention to your breath. And in between the breaths, that space in between the breaths is where wisdom speaks. So I'm going to tell you how you know whether it's the real you speaking to you or not. It's never judgmental. When for most people, they're in constant judgment or criticism of themselves. It's very wise, and it'll come up with sometimes wise-assy answers because it knows beginning, middle, and end. 
it doesn't have the confines of just being in a body in linear time and space. It's in the timelessness, so it can go back and forth and be present equally adeptly. So the judgment part, Mm -hmm. how do I know it's an observation versus a judgment? It feels peaceful. Okay. If it's an observation. If it's true wisdom, it's going to feel peaceful. The intellect or the mind that can beat us up is the one that has a stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Like, if you don't do this now, it'll never happen. Yeah. If you don't get to that, you're a loser. And there's always a finiteness to it. The The real self of us has this flow that's like, oh, okay, you can relax now. You know, what you get done, it's perfect. And it's not this placating, flaky voice. It's the voice of reality. Look, if you don't get it done, so what? You'll get it done when it's the perfect time if you relax. If you don't relax and keep beating yourself up, sure, you won't get it done, but it's not because you can't do it. It's because you're in relationship with that voice that likes to beat you up, and that's become the norm for you. So that's what begets depression. That's what begets stress. All the things that people find themselves debilitated by. That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. That is, I would say that's like my early 20s right there. Yeah. (laughs) Like I always had these uh, bigger dreams, you know? And what a shame because that's when you should have bigger dreams. That's when you should be in a catapult. Most 20-year-olds are awesome because they haven't been fully enculturated yet. Yeah. And they still have some of that innocence left from youth where, you know, if you really want to get a good answer to a question, ask a three-year-old. And then at least you'll get something different to think about other than the pat normal answers. Young 20-year-olds are like such an awesome wealth of amazing inspiration, and we're not making it easy right now in most societies to give them the reins that they could really use to give us lots of different perspectives. The more perspectives we get, the better. Yeah. By the way, just for the purposes of making it clear for the audience, the ego is just the voice of separation. It's the pseudo-self that we've been trained and enculturated to be. It'll keep you away from your own happiness. It's always going to keep you separate from what's happening in the moment. I just had that last night where (laughs) I went to a show and my friend was playing. And for a very long time, it was always like, she's better than me. And like, Hassan is really strong. It was always these moments where I couldn't support her fully. But I hadn't seen her in like seven or eight years. So... When I saw her play again, I was in the moment and Mm. I understood why I admired her and her playing. And look at who you are now compared to who you were then. You're doing this miracle renegade exploration and seeing, hey, maybe I'm more than I thought I was. Any one avenue of someone else's success is just that. It's their avenue of success. We have billions of ways to experience our own truest path here. That's why we're all in different bodies. Yeah, It's really ridiculous that we've been taught and have bought into that idea that somebody else's, you know, heaven, apparent heaven, I'll say, mm-hmm. is our path. So the converse to the ego's voice, it's the voice of the soul or that eternal being or the voice of our true self. And that's the voice of our own best interest. It's the voice that's constantly looking at you like, you're perfect. Really, I'm serious. You're perfect. And you don't see it. And if you don't see it, no problem. I'll wait. I'm not going anywhere. 
but I'm going to keep prompting you into situations and into experiences and into relationships where you're going to recognize or have to recognize you're more than you ever thought you were. Because, sorry, you're not confined to just the problems and situations that apply to a physical body. But that takes a lot of trust, especially coming from a place where a person might feel like the world is lying to them, especially in like this post-truth world in quotations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's really hard to see if anyone is being genuine about like your skill or how loving you are or how caring you are. And sometimes you feel crazy just to think about these things. So you just said something really important. You said that takes a lot of trust. This whole path of getting to know yourself, the path of the miracle renegade, is really what I call the path of perfect trust. You're acquiring perfect trust, capital P, capital T, trust with yourself, not with anybody else. It doesn't matter what the heck the governments are doing or what the heck the media is saying, truth, no truth. If you feel it in your gut, based on what you're up to living at that moment, that this is what's true for you, then follow it. If you feel, eh, that's just off. Don't know why. Everybody else is getting on board with this. Everybody else wants to do this, but I don't know. Just doesn't sit right in my gut. That's important because the voice of your own best interest is not in your head. It's in your heart from the heart down. Heart, Heart gut. You feel it. You know it. You hear feel it. And so when you start spending more quality time with that, You just know what you know what you know. It's a lot different than thinking. If you're in the middle of a real snarly, tangly thing and you're like intense at your computer on it or something, get up and do something that makes you feel happy. It's what Einstein said, you never address a problem from the place that it arose from. Well, you're never going to get an answer if you're like tearing your hair out and beating yourself up for being not worthy or stupid or something. When you really need a good answer, get peaceful first. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's that simple, truly, because, again, this is the voice of peace. So how do you get to the voice of peace other than get yourself peaceful? Call somebody you like when talk about something completely different than the problem you have. So, like, just starting off, let's say I'm a person Mm -hmm. who is in a bad spot right now, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing I would do is just find something that makes me happy at that moment. Yeah. And for people who are just starting out, say people who've been really depressed or people who label themselves as all kinds of disorders, mental disorders, if you were just, just, just starting this out, then what makes you happy might be what other people told you makes you happy. Yeah. So it takes a little bit more intention Going inside to be able to find something happy, even if it was looking back five, ten years, if you've been depressed for a while, to a time in your life when you felt really happy. And just get yourself into the space where you can feel it, not just in the mind, Mm -hmm. but let yourself feel it. You will find one thing. This is a golden star tip. All right, (laughs) yeah. Whatever it was that made you super happy, you weren't judging yourself or other people. Happiness, joy, love, peace, all those qualities of our real self cannot coexist with judgment. So think about it. Anytime you've really felt shitty about your life or about other people or about a situation, it's because you had overwhelming judgment coloring the situation. 
Yeah. And as I've slowed down my brain and my thought mm -hmm. process and all the overthinking, I'll catch myself. I'll catch myself in a great moment. Mm -hmm. And then literally three seconds later, it's like, I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have felt this way. So shoulds are really judgment-based. Yeah. And then it just starts. It's like a momentum. Right. When we start becoming more self-reflective, we start staying in our own business a lot more. Notice how people who are beating themselves up a lot and don't have a good relationship with themselves are always in someone else's business. Yeah, oh yeah. It's more comfortable to be in someone else's business than to be in your own mind when you're always beating yourself up. So back to relationship as far as romantic kind of relationships go. Mm -hmm. Many people get into relationship to fall, in quotes, in love. Well, that's from the start, going to be a dicey path. Because if you're going to fall, somebody has to pick you up. Oh. And that means you're going to really judge the other person when they're not jumping to it to pick you up. So know that you are love. Know that that's the essence of who you are when you start spending more time with yourself and you're not beating yourself up and you're really feeling loved by, wow, I spent quality time with myself today. Feel and know that you... At this core, this soul, this voice of the soul, why it's so wise and peaceful is because truly it is love. Kind of interesting to come off, uh, you know, our first podcast with this yeah. concept because love itself is another whole topic. But just for the purposes of identifying this more clearly, it's a state of well-being that overwhelmingly feels like fullness where whatever you give, you would give from the overflow. Oh, wow. Or else you're in your own space until you feel full enough to overflow into another person's life. Wow. Get that now on how many levels that would impact, you know, service work or intimate relationships. Yeah. So we're in relationship with other people while we are in relationship with ourselves first and foremost. Mm -hmm. You're the common denominator. The utmost then is to get to know yourself so well that you know what makes you happy and what makes you feel contented and what makes you feel alive. You know, the point is to live life, not to feel like everything's finite all the time and it's going to be a terrible consequence if you don't get it right. Yeah, when, Who cares? when, when is the other shoe going to drop? Exactly. But we never get it done and you can always make another choice. So what? Choose again. Yeah. Choose again. But if you're so used to beating yourself up and being in that place where it feels like you hit a brick wall, it's only because you hit a brick wall within yourself. So all the inspiration, all the joy, all the love, all the everything that you think you're going to get someday out there, go inside to find it immediately. Mm. That's presence. The buzzword out there in spiritual circles now is be present, be in the now. Well, it just means be in a space where you're not beating yourself up in this moment. So what you're saying right now is make yourself a space where you can sit and just be present, however it gets you there. Yeah. First and foremost, that's a great thing. And it could be that you just put on, you know, it can be air conditioner noise. Just let yourself focus on nothing much or your breath. It goes with you wherever you go. And like I said, it's our connection to the soul of us, the real truth of us, where miracles arise from. Mm. With people who are having a challenge with being healthy and well in their lives. Think about it this way. You've got this vehicle, this body that appears to be everything to many people. 
and yet they treat it horrifically. Oh, yeah. Like, would you treat your best friend that you really love the way you treat your body? Mm. Take a little objective point of view and realize you came in with that first breath. Now you're inhabiting this beautiful body, whoever you are. It's beautiful. It's your vehicle to get you around and communicate with other people, to be able to connect tangibly in the material world. And yet most people ignore their bodies, say bad things to themselves about their bodies. If you treated a best friend that way, they would not be your best friend for very long. That's a good point. And so watch how people find themselves disregarding or disrespecting their own body and then wind up with it in quotes, disease, dis-ease. Of course, you know, your body's not going to take abuse from you every single day of your life without acting up a little bit to try to get you back on path. Yeah. And that's the tendency when we're looking outside for answers to forget, okay, first of all, does it feel deeply real and true and helpful and happy for me? Second, does it feel good and and peaceful and happy for my body? Then the rest of the world gets at me. Mm -hmm. Why would you turn on a television to tell you how to fix your body before you sat with yourself or do what other people think is the way to be happy before you sit with yourself first? So you get it now. This relationship is with you first and foremost. Any other thing in your life, piece of paper, a pencil, uh, your parents, your siblings, your kids, anyone you have a relationship with is a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a very uh, deep cutting point. Yeah. Yeah. So how how does that feel to you? Does it feel um, somewhat comforting or does it feel a little intense? <laughs> uh a little a little bit of both, but it's been a, a trajectory that I've been kind of seeing in my life. I've been seeing that whatever I feel about my life, it's always reflected back at me. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I'm hungry and I'm at a supermarket, the person in front of me has already annoyed me. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Great example. Yeah. Like what that person's done. Like as quickly as they pay, I'm already annoyed by them. But if I'm in a good mood, I'm fine. Like, yeah. and those flips have really shown me that it does all stem from me. Mm-hmm. So, the last few months, I've been, you know, having a more positive outlook. And here we go. More positive things have been happening exactly. to me. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it seems so easy that it feels like unbelievable, mm-hmm. but it, it feels uh, right, you know? When you first flip the switch and decide you're going to see life more miraculously, who knows what that is even? You know, you don't even have a handle yeah. on it yet. The divine or the part of you that's connected to everything, again, that soul part of us is connected to everything eternally. So the synchronicities begin, I have to say, truly. It's Mm -hmm. so fun for me to watch this working with people. You're like, did you see that? People have amazing things show up because they're starting to look with curiosity and not judgment. Mm -hmm. The relationship they have is coming more from the inside out, and they're starting to look for the graces, the things that might surprise them or delight them. And it's not like you shove them away because you're so self-obsessed at that moment grappling with some problem. You actually have the bandwidth and the space because that's also what it is. It's not embodied. It's pure space. 
So you get a chance to have relationship with space that feels good rather than fill it, fill it, fill it, you know, yeah. fill your mouth, fill your mind, fill your, your moments. And that's what materialistic societies have been thriving on is get everybody to fill up from the outside as fast as possible before they recognize how dysfunctional that really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've eaten many a pizza by myself before. <laughs> so back to this topic about couples in relationship. So I'm going to go for the ideal first, and then we'll look at where most people might be mm -hmm. experiencing this from, and everybody each in their own worlds would be able to identify where they might be on this trajectory. If somebody is in a whole relationship with themselves, that means that they're inspired by themselves naturally. That's not egotistical. That's truly true inspiration, inspiration, in spirit, same thing. And so you stop resisting all the good impulses you have, the creativity, the genius that can arise, especially at the spur of the moment when a miracle needs to happen now. When you start letting go of the resistances, then you start having this happy life just with yourself. It's when most people say, you know, I wasn't looking for anybody when their best partner shows up because they were in a place of feeling completion. We're always a work in progress yeah. because we're always going to evolve here. There's no finite, you're enlightened, boom, you're done. It's that then you can evolve from that place in an aware state that evolves not just you, but humanity, because now you're connected with everybody in that enlightened state. But that's not your business to be focused on the outside world until you're so full and the image you see of other people is completion too. Now, what's the feeling of fullness? You know, mm -hmm. How do you know you're supposed to give at this point rather than like, yeah, receive? Really great question. And again, this is definitely a whole nother topic on how to get full and know you're full. Mm -hmm. It's a such an important question because there are very, very few people out there who are full, yeah, who haven't given inappropriately in relationship and then all of a sudden resent the other person because they didn't give from fullness, they gave from lack and then wonder why did this massive conflict begin. When your own fullness is a priority, mm -hmm. Being contented or being aware of who and what you are in this vacuum kind of situation. And again, it doesn't only mean meditation because I know some people might be. Yeah, not I, I take sad. walks, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I float sometimes. You it's spend good. time with best friends that you laugh the whole time. Exactly. You, again, animals are great because they're in this flow. And so they get it. They can feel when you're in that flow. Oh, wow. Same way that birds can fly in formation so effortlessly and things, they can just feel. When that energy is being embodied by something, they're not as afraid of it. That's really interesting. Essentially, what you're saying is that my physical form is important and everything. It's a it, it's really important. I don't want to yeah. misrepresent that because otherwise, you're not here on Earth. Yeah, you're not. You're you're in the clouds. You, yeah. you think that cars don't exist, and yeah. all of a sudden, <laughs> you get hit. <laughs> but what you're saying that the flow is kind of. Is it pushing my body like unconsciously or? No, it's embracing your body more okay. accurately. So your body's coming along for the ride. Okay. So get it how most people are leading their lives with thinking, 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 and, and you're barely present with where you are because your mind is just pulling you into the next moment without being able to enjoy the one you're in. Mm -hmm. This is more of a state where it feels naturally like you've just sat back and the divine of you or the soul of you or the breath of you or the unnameable of you, whatever you want to call it, that divine part of us 
gets a chance to come forward and lead. In tumultuous situations, just know this, another gold star, mm-hmm. the ego always speaks first. Oh, okay. So whenever someone's like in your face and they're attacking you, pure ego, anybody who knows who they are would sit back and relax at that moment and not engage it. So that just gave you one gold star point for a relationship where people are in conflict in, oh, okay, yeah. together. The reason it happens is because somebody shows up not being who they are in reality, you know, mm-hmm. the true self of them, to somebody else who's not being their true self. And then they start fighting. It's a bunch of nothing because you never showed up. Yeah, and How it feels like a waste of time. It always is a waste of time. Yeah. And that's where the soul of us is in a timeless space. It doesn't need to fix it now or never. Even if you're in the midst of challenging circumstances like that, where your whole relationship is based on fighting, Mm -hmm. there's a question being asked there very vehemently, who am I? So instead, you're trying to get the answer out of the other person by getting them to agree with you, Mm -hmm. which is not going to help because if you still don't know who you are and they agree with you, you're both in the shitter. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like then you both agree on something that's still a bunch of nothing. So... The key then is to have you arrive within yourself in a place where you're super comfortable and it's not this superior kind of attitude. It's just more knowing that the outside is the outside and the inside is the inside. Mm. And the inside is going to color the outside if you stay committed to that peaceful presence, the true essence of who you are. The best way is to get to know that first by taking walks by yourself or meditating or being in places that you know cultivate a connectivity art is a great way. Because at our core, the divine is the great creator. We're the creator with the small c, just like the divine, but we're the ray of the sun. Mm. We're the ray of the sun that comes to earth. And if we just act like that, we're like massively creative because we're tapped in. We didn't disconnect by the ego saying we're disconnected from the source of the sun or the source of everything. Now, can you uh, clarify what the divine is not in the sense of because I mean that's a huge subject. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So let's keep that for a future episode. <laughs> but uh, just to give the audience an idea. Are you coming at this from a religious angle or no. are you, it's just spirit and it's, it's all encompassing? Unnameable. Okay. So, how do you build a religion around it? Yeah. There is no true viable religion except to embody it. Mm. If you're embodying it, then no one can deny it. And that's part of the path of a miracle renegade. In the experience that I've had with people over these 20 plus years, you have to break things down a little bit. You know, these are massive concepts. I mean, this is the first episode we're peppering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to make it graspable, one day I was walking on the beach at sunrise, you know, totally connected because mm-hmm. it was me in the massive, vast horizon and the sunrise. And I've heard you approach this a different way than most people. This is your unique way of showing people how to be aware, enlightened, if you will, or uh, a miracle worker, actually. Mm -hmm. And it was, don't leave anything out of these phases. Mm -hmm. First one is miracle-mindedness, where you shift your mind. And most often, what was invisible to you before becomes more apparent. You begin to see the miraculous around you. That's the first phase. Wow. Happens pretty quickly, too, by the way. I've never worked with someone in these past 20 plus years that didn't almost immediately start to have more synchronicities, more things where they were tangibly seeing touches of 
what they never saw before happen in their physical world. Especially, it's always uh, customized to you. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had a couple of experiences where, you know, I've had playlists on random, like a discovery. Yeah. And it's literally telling the story of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly put, because people miss this one, that when you start spending this quality time with yourself, especially in the beginning, the allness of things is so genius and so capable of getting you even more connected and mm -hmm. superiorly aware that this is real. It isn't mm -hmm. fake that will bombard you with new awarenesses and experiences that show you, yeah, this is highly, precisely individualized at the same time, completely universal. Yeah. The divine is a complete dichotomy. It's the vastness and the smallness all into one. It's anything you can think of that doesn't make any sense to the mind. That's what the divine is. So how funny that we think we can package it and commoditize it and hand it to people. That's the ego's way of yeah. trying to grasp things. I came to like a conclusion with religion that it's a path, you know, and it does bring people into like a space of happiness, community. And that might help some people get to the place that they need to be. Absolutely. But first we got miracle-mindedness. When yeah. you start receiving it and... At that phase of miracle-mindedness, this is where I have to kind of put my thumb on clients I'm working with and have them get a little more, in quotes, selfish than they've ever been. Because it's our tendency to connect outwardly. Mm. But this is all about inward connection and between you and you at first till you really get to know who you are. So the second phase is miracle matrixing. Mm. So it's not just an intellectual concept like here we are talking about this intellectually and there might be people like, ah, I don't know, these two ramble on about blah, 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 yeah. or whatever they say. But they will know that what we talk about is true, especially as we progress with the Miracle Renegade podcast, yeah. not just because it's an intellectual endeavor to listen to us, but they're going to go out and start to put to practice something that we said and then immediately see that the miracle arises. The point is to have mm -hmm. people literally not be able to deny that they're living in a miraculous life. That's when the matrixing phase is most powerful because people start to put to practice these theories that they have about, oh, yeah, well, what if I just decide to focus on something peaceful instead of obsessing about that bad, poor relationship? You know, mm -hmm. what if I actually see that as a call for love from that person rather than a hateful thing? And so they start to shift that way all of a sudden. Old relationships come back around. People start showing back up in their lives. They start getting a chance to renew these old things. But it's not from a place of overgiving anymore. They're not allowed to give anything yet. Mm -hmm. They're receiving everything and just receiving the information that comes and receiving with an open mind. Wow, I never saw that before. Or, whoa, I thought they were so terrible, but they're really kind of sweet when I look at them from this perspective. Mm -hmm. So they start to have this great relationship with themselves, with the miracle-mindedness. Miracle matrixing, again, is where you're building up that fullness. And the moment that you hit this peak capacity that allows for you to feel so full, you're really truly in more of a state of bliss. There is truly uh, a capacity to tap this state of bliss. Wow. And when that happens for people, they know it. And it's so different than normal, in quotes, life. And I've, I'm telling you, I've experienced this with people I've worked with over the years from any walk of life. Construction workers who are walking steel beams and yeah. uh, building high rises or doctors or veterinarians or school teachers or kids that were you know, going to commit suicide since they're 12. 
every walk of life, it's the, it's the truth for everyone that once they start filling up with this self-awareness and self-love and self-recognition, then they start to feel a different approach to the people in their lives. There's no agenda for approval because you're approving of yourself so much that this overflow starts to happen. You're feeling compassion naturally with other people. You're feeling wisdom naturally in relationship to anyone else. These qualities of the soul get a chance to actually start to be embodied. And when you show up embodying those qualities everything starts to shift. Life starts to move in this way that feels like it's in your favor, but it's not just in your favor. It's win-win because the soul is always win-win, not just one person getting their way. Mm. It's always win-win. So that's miraculous in itself, isn't yeah. it, to think of that in relationship? Yeah. That already sounds wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So then, then finally, in utmost, is when you hit miracle mastery. And miracle mastery is when you'll, you'll know it the minute it starts to happen. People start saying, you know, what happened to you? They start asking. It's not like you're telling people out of this, you know, I got to convert people thing. Mm -hmm. It's where they ask you something and you just tell them, well, you know, I just see it this way. And they're like, whoa, I wouldn't have seen it that way. You know, I, I saw that as challenging and threatening and that's really a cool way to look at it. And it comes across with this softness because now you're identified more with the voice of truth within you. Yeah. You're also going to speak more capably with that voice. It never pushes or prods it never coerces it doesn't have an agenda when you start showing up to life with that you are a master in that now you only can keep what you give away peace love joy creativity these things you get more of when you give them away you get more peace when you bring peace you get more love when you bring love you get more joy when you bring joy think of little kids mm -hmm. When they're in that state of perfect trust, because they don't know how to judge yet. I remember being, I think it was three, and we were watching television as a family one night. And I remember somebody was on there singing, and my father said, oh, I, I hate this guy. His voice is terrible. And I remember sitting there thinking, how does he know? Yeah. How does he know? Like, I mean, he's singing. Singing to me was beautiful. If anybody sang, I thought it sounded beautiful. I would not be able to discern whether it was beautiful or not. So when you think of kids with that innocence that they have, that's the soul and full-blown evidence. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't love the way someone's singing, you can still appreciate their effort or their heart in it or yeah, things can, like you that. You can see beyond the talent and the song. Yeah. You can see who they are. And you can see within a massive context compared to what the separate mind sees, only this one teeny little thing. The soul of us sees the huge picture and the beauty behind the whole picture that we don't see, especially when we judge. We cut off all the grace. It's like cutting the cord to the capacity for grace every time we judge. Mm. So back to the point where we look at, you know, what would a romantic relationship, say, look like? And again, that's only one of the multiple. We can go into this with each kind of relationship, oh, too. Yeah. Parents and children and, and teachers and students, there are all these 
beautiful flavors and innuendos with every relationship. But romantic relationships are ones that are the most misperceived and therefore the hardest relationships to have. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much expectation going into them without taking the responsibility for knowing who you are first. With regard to that, look at it this way. If you start to know who you are, you start to let some of these inclinations that you've had become more evident to you. So you might have really loved being an adventurer and love outdoors and nature. And, you know, at the same time, you love to bring a sketch pad because you're an artist and you have this penchant for going into the unknown and being just fearless in that. But at the same time, you had an office job. And so you met your significant other at the office. And to her, she was just caring at that point about kind of survival, making her mark, letting her parents know that she was, you know, okay and was mm-hmm. going to pay back her college tuitions. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting to know each other. And the next thing you know, you want to buy a ticket to China. Yeah. And your mate, who loves you and you love her, is horrified, horrified, because now she sees you as being irresponsible and yeah. all these things. So. Instead of offering that kind of an opportunity for judgment, recognize that we are all evolving in our own lives and have our own true sacred path, sacred in that we're going to get the most fulfillment out of that path if we're true to ourselves and feel that connection almost every day. Every second is what I would advocate of that alignment with being authentic, completely authentic. So it's not that he, the adventurer, falls out of love with her, the office worker, It's that they have two different priorities at that time. If she magically did want to go on an adventure all of a sudden and realize that, then they would find that they are on the same trajectory still. And then that path is definitely a great one to bounce back and forth between each other. But if she really only truly feels like she wants to be having a stable life because, say, she wants to write novels. Mm -hmm something that's completely differently oriented than what he has, if they don't stay together at that point, why would love have to stop between them? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. It's the same as even if someone's married. Someone could be, I'll give an extreme example, um, just because it's easier to see through extreme examples. Somebody's a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. and they meet the woman of their dreams. They go into the world of pro wrestling, and he's major star, and it's adventure, and there's all kinds of excitement, and he's traveling a lot, and she just loves it. They love being in hotel rooms and having fans around. Then he has an injury, and All he can do is be a quadriplegic sipping out of a straw. Yeah. And then she's completely befuddled that why is she losing her feelings for him and feels terrible and guilty that shouldn't she stick by his side always? Well, yeah, if you're shifted completely now and you're in this place where it feels like an adventure for you to go into a life like this with somebody, then you can actually both show up miraculously. Yeah. But if your main motivation was to be in the spotlight or be out there with people who are wrestlers and now you're stuck in the house and it looks like all of a sudden they start fighting, it would be much easier to understand that, no, you can still love each other. It's just that your paths aren't aligned right now. Mm. But how uh, can you reconcile with that? Like, especially as, you know, late 20s, you start shifting. You start Mm -hmm. seeing more of yourself Mm -hmm. with time, you know? You gain a little bit of knowledge about who you are. Right. So getting to a point where you're both in a different place, but you both love each other. Right. 
What does that actually mean? It means, this is a great question, it means radical honesty. Mm. Not just honesty, but radical honesty. It means sitting down and being in an undefended place and speaking in your heart mm. about where you are. Look, when people say, it's not you, it's me, this is kind of really what they're meaning. It's not that I don't love you and think you're an amazing and awesome person. It's that I need to be out there, for at least for now, with the spotlights and the wrestling rings because that's what I'm drawn to. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's her path. Mm. And it's not a personal rejection. People mm. believe that these are personal rejections, but it's really just a natural thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so it's a different non-judgmental way of looking at this. Again, this is there's a lot more to unravel yeah. in this, but at least it would give people an idea going full circle to where we began that this relationship that we cultivate with ourselves has to be true and sincere in a way that we spend quality, intentional time with ourselves often, at least daily, if not multiple times during the day, until our orientation of being aware of who we are starts to color the outside world so significantly that every walking moment of our life is a meditation. Yeah. That can happen as well. Wow. And that's when people would say, oh, that person's exceptional. It's not that everybody can't do it. It's that they just went inward deeply enough. That's why you mostly hear about this with saints and sages who have spent time with themselves in caves yeah, like and things. 20 years, 30 years. But that doesn't take 20 or 30 years. I actually love this path of the miracle renegade way more mm -hmm. because it's a total engagement with life. At the same time, you're dismantling all of the separation while you're in it. Okay, so you're essentially shifting your perspective as you're living it. Yes, and you're taking responsibility that if you just had a really bad experience, somebody was being a real jerk to you and walked through that with a miracle mind, mm -hmm. it's going to look completely different. You can see anybody having a hard time and you can say, whoa, they look like they could use a little bit of sunshine, you yeah. know, in the ray of the sun. And if you approach it that when people are disconnected themselves, you're the connector. You're going to start to see a completely different world. And that's not this big responsibility, give away all your stuff or things like that, because you, again, you're not allowed to until you really shift your perception. Mm. But in the beginning, when you're sincerely looking for the miraculous, you're going to notice something about someone who no one else could even notice a good thing about, and you're going to find it. And all you got to do is connect there and watch you just pull their soul forward. You just pull the light of them forward to connect with the light of you. Now, all of a sudden, you got the connectivity of what's real and not what's the pseudo self. You start knowing that people are a lot more than they believe themselves to be. Mm. I just saw this great quote. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Isn't that uh, Winnie the Pooh? It is. <laughs> it's Pooh's Grand Adventures. And so like the books of Winnie the Pooh are so resonant with so many people because it's truly he's being a miracle renegade, Winnie the Pooh. All of them are. You know, they're kind of out there loving each other even when they're messing up. And yeah, they're, they're just being themselves. They're being completely genuine and authentic. Yeah. It appears to be more of a Zen path than a childhood fable. It's a really wonderful way to note that the miracle aspect of us absolutely feels entitled to fun, 
feels entitled to joy, feels entitled to what it could look like reckless abandon, but just knowing that the best is always working out for me. That's exactly the orientation of our miraculous selves. So I'm super excited to begin exploring this with people and watching how when people engage in this, the seismic shifts that can happen within them first and foremost, are going to bleed out into the world around them. Every relationship that they have is going to be colored significantly and miraculously with this way of being that I think everyone in the world wants to know is real Yeah, and then live it out loud. Well, that sounds wonderful. I can't yeah. wait to do more. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Christian. <laughs> 